You are listening to the One Church TO podcast. We are an imperfect community who are attempting to help people know God, love people, and make an impact in our city of Toronto, Canada. At the time of this podcast episode, we are currently experiencing the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. So you'll start to notice in this same feed, we'll be providing some extra episodes alongside our weekend teaching to encourage you throughout the week. But we hope today's teaching is valuable for whatever season or situation that you find yourself in. Verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And this is more than just a, you know, a visit to the big city. They're going there on purpose. Luke 9.51 says that as the time approached for Jesus to return to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Like he's going there on purpose because this is the countdown to the cross. He knows that his days are numbered. He knows that his mission on earth is coming to an end. And so Jerusalem is the next stop and Gethsemane is actually right around the corner. But for today, they're gonna make a bit of a pit stop at a little village called Bethany, three kilometers or so outside of Jerusalem, at the home of a woman owned owned by Martha, and with her, her sister Mary, and another sibling, Lazarus, not mentioned here. An interesting trio of singles, and um, I'm thinking that Jewish tongues might have been wagging, like what gives with this unusual family. But what they did have going for them was that they were friends of Jesus. And Jesus is bringing the whole gang over for supper. And, and this was a big deal. Couple of reasons. Number one, uh, Mary and Martha, the main characters of this story are obviously women and that they are the main characters, huge. And that Jesus is going to spend time with these two women, Lazarus not even mentioned, on purpose. It's, it's, it's almost scandalous. Well. Why, Jan? This seems like a harmless dinner invitation. Well, yeah, in 2020, our day, it absolutely is. But let me tell you, in first century Jewish culture, women played a distinct backseat role. They, They really had little value. It was a patriarchal culture dominated by men, and most men had very little value or interest in women. There was prejudice, there was a mistreatment, there were no peaceful protests, there were no marches, there were no women's rights, there was no equality. And let me tell you, one Jewish writer, he gives a glimpse of what it was like for women in the first century Israel. The daily prayers of Jewish men included, praise be God that he has not created me women. Men were not to greet a woman in public. Some Jewish writers taught that women women should not even leave the home except to possibly go to the synagogue. They had little access to property or inheritance. Any money a woman earned belonged to her husband. 
And while the study of the Torah, the Jewish scriptures, was of the utmost importance for the men, a, a woman was not even allowed to study the sacred text. One teacher says this, rather should the word of the Torah be burned than entrusted to a woman. At the temple, women were restricted to the outer court. In the synagogue, they were separated from the men. And even in a, in a Jewish court, a woman's testimony was deemed invalid. It had no meaning at all. So I think you get the picture. Suffice to say, it was tough being female in first century Jewish culture. The mold was set and it was set hard. But Jesus does not bow to the dictates of culture. Jesus' mistreatment of women was totally different. Jesus talked to women, included them, ministered to them. He elevated women, and it was totally radical. Let me give you some examples. Luke chapter 7. When Jesus comes across a, a grieving widow, he goes right over to the coffin, engages in a compassionate conversation with her, and actually puts his hand on the coffin and brings her son back to life. It's incredible. Luke chapter 8, where we have a woman with a chronic medical condition, and she sneaks up in the crowd and touches Jesus' robe and is healed. What does Jesus do? He doesn't like put her down, demean her. He says tenderly, daughter, Go in peace, your faith has made you well. Jesus included women. Um, some women were uh, among the first followers of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, they're mentioned in the Gospels. They went along with him on some of his trips and supported him with their own means. Women were the, the last to leave the cross. They stayed with Jesus. They were the first to arrive at the empty tomb and entrusted with the news of the resurrection. In Acts chapter 1, when um, there is a gathering of people there waiting for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, as Jesus has instructed, the group includes men and women because to Jesus, women mattered. They were included, they were elevated, they were important. And so when Jesus comes to Mary and Martha's home, we would expect nothing different. Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Mary, what are you doing? Mary has plunked herself smack dab in the middle of a male holy huddle like she is a bona fide disciple, like, like she too is, is training to be a teacher. And I don't know if the male disciples started elbowing each other and Peter, who, you know, is rather outspoken, decided, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind and, hey, you do know that this, you're a girl and that this is a no girls allowed club? Well, I guess Mary didn't get that update because Mary is happily exactly where she wants to be, eyes on Jesus, listening to his every word. How does Jesus feel about a woman being in the crowd? A woman at his feet. Conversation is not halted. Jesus goes right on teaching and Mary feels included, elevated. She's given dignity. She's allowed to be there. Of course, if she wasn't, she would have left. That's how Jesus was with everyone. 
and especially those who were cast-offs, socially unfit, outside the circle of acceptance, if everyone else shoved you to the back of the line and said, you're not fit to be here, Jesus would be the first to see you and say, hey, come on up here, or he'd go right over to you. Brennan Manning says that Jesus broke the law of tradition when the love of persons demanded it. Why? Because Jesus loved people. All people mattered. And really, this is the narrative of the Gospels. From the beginning, when the announcement comes to the shepherd that this baby born will be good news of great joy for all people, that was Jesus. Jesus extended grace, forgiveness, mercy, deliverance, accepted. Child, what is your need? No matter who you are or what you've done, you can come to Jesus. If you've ever felt passed over, snubbed, shoved to the back because of your race, gender, standing, or for any other ridiculous, prejudiced reason, Jesus says, I choose you. You're exactly who I want. His, his arms are always open to you. And when you see those arms coming towards you, you will also see hands that have nail-scarred wounds in them because Jesus died for you. He loves you. You're exactly who he wants to be close to him. There is no prejudice with Jesus. That's the story of the gospel. There's more to our story. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Martha is peeved. Uh, Jesus and the boys have arrived for dinner, and this is a big deal to Martha. Come on, it, it, it's Jesus. We're not serving wieners and beans. Wouldn't you do the same? And, you know, let me give you a bit of my female vantage. Mary and Martha are most likely spinsters, and 13 eligible men are coming over for dinner. Come on, there had to be at least one or two cute disciples that maybe she had her eye on. I don't know. I'm just saying. Whatever, this meal was important to Martha. She's a doer. And from the kitchen, you're going to hear a cacophony of culinary sounds as Martha is chopping and preparing and swishing bowls around and getting this big meal ready. And as she's doing it, her annoyance is mounting because Mary is not helping. And so what does Martha do? She storms off into the living room, sees Mary at Jesus' feet, and she lets it rip. Lord, tell her to get back into the kitchen. And what does Jesus do? Jesus does two amazing things. Verse 41, But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. One translation reads, you are anxious and troubled. This is not the response that Martha had counted on. Mary is not sent back to the kitchen, but rather Jesus turns to Martha and says, oh, Martha, Martha. And when Jesus says your name twice, you better listen up. It's, it's the same type of response that he gives when he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. 
How I have longed to gather you in my arms like a hen gathers its chicks around her, but, but you wouldn't. It, it's plaintive, it's mournful, it's sad. It's like, oh, why are you doing this? There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Verse 42, Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. <laughs> my dear Martha, you're missing out on the one thing that really matters, me. What's happening in the kitchen will be gone in a flash, but what's happening at my feet where, where Mary is, something of eternity is getting transported into her heart and you're missing out on it. And, and Jesus doesn't demean or, or rebuke Martha. She wasn't wrong in her complaint. It's just that all the doing became her big focus and she missed out on the one for who she was doing all the doing for. There was a place for Martha, just like Mary, at the feet of Jesus. But would she leave the busyness and, and would she leave all that stuff and actually just come and be at his feet? She was anxious and troubled. What about you today? Are you feeling anxious and troubled? Well, Jan, yeah. We're, we're going through a global pandemic. I can hardly say those two words without my, my blood pressure starting to escalate. Like I'm, I'm working from home. I've got the kids clamoring around me for the summer. I'm, I'm watching um, the roller coaster state of my RSPs and I can't think of anything more to do with chicken for dinner. Like anxious and troubled, exactly. I get it, I get it. Life can come barreling in at us and be all-consuming. It, it just lands on our lives and we can't see anything else. And sometimes Jesus, even though we, we want that relationship with him, he just gets pushed to the fringe. Are you a Mary or a Martha? And I wonder today if we would leave some of those lesser things and come and find ourselves at the feet of, G of Jesus, what would get deposited into our hearts? What kind of exchange could happen in our souls at his feet? Could we give him our, our worry and our grief and our anxiety and our fears? And yes, we could receive his peace. That's what happens at his feet. And yet so often we choose other ways. Ken Geyer, in a beautiful prayer, he really sums up what I think a lot of us are feeling these days. What is so important about my kitchen full of preparation that draws me away from you? How can they seem so trivial and yet so urgent when I'm caught up in them? Forgive me for being so much distracted by my preparations and so little attracted by your presence. For being so diligent in my service and negligent in my devotion. For being so quick to my feet and so slow to yours. Help me to understand that it is an intimate moment you seek for me, not an elaborate meal. Bring me out of the kitchen, Lord. Bid me come to your feet. Everything in this life has a shelf life. It will come and go. But when you come and sit at Jesus' feet, whoever you are, uh, whosoever will may come, Something eternal gets transplanted in your heart. It's at his feet where we were enveloped in his love. 
we experience his presence, that, that beautiful exchange of all that concerns us, we give that to him and he gives us provision and strength and peace and joy. Where does it happen? In humility, right at Jesus' feet, just like where Mary was and where Martha could have been too. In this world of prejudices, in all of its despicable forms, Jesus always offers a better way. Case in point, our story today of Mary and Martha, two women who should never have been in that story, but they're the main characters and they're elevated, included, and Jesus uses them to teach a beautiful lesson for all of us. With Jesus, there is always an open invitation. Race, color, gender, status, standing, it doesn't matter. The whosoever will may come to him. What will be your response today? So Mary and Martha, <laughs> they had Jesus right there. You know, and, and so many times it's easy to be like Martha, isn't it? Just do good things to try and make Jesus happy when the most important thing is that we could just be in his presence, receiving from him. It's sort of like the most important part of our day, being with Jesus and receiving from him and listening to him and is the most important part of our life. Then we end up doing what he wants us to do. You know, it's sort of like when, remember the last time you're on an airplane? It's probably been a while now during these COVID days, but when they say, you know, when, when there's an emergency and the mask drops down, make sure you put your own mask on first before you try and help someone else. That's sort of what Jesus was saying to Mary and Martha. He's saying, you know, before you do good things, the most important thing is that you meet with me. Elevate yourself in my presence. Bring yourself to my presence, and then you'll have what it takes to elevate other people. <laughs> you know, you need your own spiritual oxygen first before you try and bring that to other people. And uh, that's something that every one of us can do during these days, you know, whatever we're going through. I, I wanna pray with you. What can I pray with you about in this room and online? Listen, how many are saying, you know, I. I need to begin following Jesus. I realize that uh, he gave his life for me and invites me to follow him. And if I'm going to have forgiveness and eternal life, it means trusting Jesus. And I used to, and I need to come back to him, or I need to begin following Jesus. Listen, if that's you, just uh, and you're with us online, uh, they'd consider it a privilege. You know those hosts that are there in the chat room? They consider it a privilege to pray with you. And there's a place in the... Um, chat room where you can just, uh, you know, indicate right now that uh, I want to begin following Jesus. I'm committed to following Jesus. And someone will just, just help you take the next steps in following Jesus. But how many in this room and online, you're following Jesus and you're just saying, Jesus, I need my heart to be elevated in your presence before I go and try and do good things for other people. Let me just pray for you. Lord, shine upon us. May we just sense that like Mary, that we are at your feet and receiving from you. We, we can't get supernatural power or help from anyone else other than you, Lord. So we just position ourselves in humility and saying, Jesus, we receive your power. There are some people in my church family and guests who are with us online and Church family in this room, some of us need your healing. 
Some need your wisdom. Some because of the uncertainty of employment and uh, finances. We need your peace, Lord. We need to know that your eyes are upon us. So, Lord, we pray. We pray in closing right now, along with the scriptures, that you, Father God, would turn your face upon us and be gracious to us. Thank you that you turn your face towards us right now and give us peace. <laughs> and we receive that in the name of Jesus. Amen. And can you add your own amen? <laughs> amen, Lord, I receive that. Love you, church. Bless you. We're glad you joined us for today's teaching. If you're listening in right now because your church isn't able to meet, we welcome you. And we ask that you keep supporting your church community with all the engagement and giving options that they have. If you need any assistance in this unprecedented season, please let us know by email at care at onechurch.to or by texting the word CARE to 416-291-9575 or even just giving us a call at the same number. All other events and programming can be found at onechurch.to slash connect.